Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. This morning we will look together at verses 1 through 14 as we continue on in this series, Emmanuel, God with us, as we look at the Christmas story from a theological vantage point, not just what happened, but what does it mean for Jesus Christ to take on flesh and to dwell among us? In the first week, we looked at the fact that we have seen his glory. Last week, we looked at the fact that we have seen his humility. And this morning, as we look at Hebrews chapter 1, we are going to see his supremacy. You know, we are a church that is united on just about everything. And yet I have an idea that there's probably a couple of things that we may not be united on. And so I want to invite you for just a moment as we prepare to look at the text together to let your opinion be known for just a little bit, all right? What's better... Coke or Pepsi? Don't say anything yet, all right? Don't say anything, just think. If you're a Coke person, just go ahead and put your hand up. If you're a Pepsi person, some of y'all are saying, Pastor, there's other drinks out there. We're not talking about those, okay? (laughs) Coke or Pepsi, that's all you get. All right, how about Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks fans, Dunkin' Donuts, somebody out there is thinking, you can make your own coffee for 12 cents at home, right? (laughs) There we are. I knew they were there. Here's one that will most likely divide us, Mac or PC, Mac users. Y'all are lying. There's a lot of you out there. Tell the truth, right? Mac users, PC users. I am absolutely astounded and disappointed, church. (laughs) You know, we have opinions about a number of different things that we prefer one over the other, or one is better than the other, or one is greater than the other. And as we come to the text this morning, what I want you to know is that the writer of Hebrews is going to put very plainly and very clearly that Jesus Christ is greater than anything or anyone. There is no one and no thing that can compare to Jesus Christ. As we look at the text this morning, I want to read for us Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 14. And as we do every week, church, we're going to walk back through it together, and especially in this season of Christmas as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ. I want this text to remind us of his supremacy. This is God's word. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you, or again I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we dive into the text this morning, this is the main idea that will frame our time together in Hebrews chapter 1. It's this truth. I've mentioned it already. It's this reality. Jesus is greater. You can follow that up with any word, any name. Jesus is greater than anyone, anything. It's interesting as you read through the book of Hebrews that the writer of Hebrews is emphasizing this throughout the first chapters in the book of Hebrews. He's writing to the readers of this book and he's saying to them, Jesus is greater than anything or anyone that you can imagine. Jesus is greater, as we're going to see in chapter 1 here, than the angels, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than any high priest because he presides over a better covenant than any of them, the once and for all sacrifice of himself. The writer of Hebrews, looking at Jesus, says he is greater. As we come to this time of year where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, He is greater. As we look at the text together this morning, I want you to take note and 
verses 1 and the first part of verse 2, this first truth that we're going to highlight. So we have the privilege of rejoicing in his appearance. As we think about the Christmas story, we think about Jesus being born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, but I want you to notice that the writer of Hebrews in verse 1 and the first part of verse 2 is going to highlight the important truth for us. Long ago, he says, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God's self-revelation of who he is and his desire to impact this world through his plan of salvation was first disclosed throughout the Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews tells us, by the prophets. They were the ones who were disclosing, this is who God is, this is what God is like, this is what it looks like to surrender your life to him. And in that, what we have as we read through the Old Testament is a picture looking forward to the Messiah who would come. As we walked our way through the book of Genesis, we saw that beginning in Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered the world, the promise that a Messiah would come, a Savior would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And the writer of Hebrews says, long ago, At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Notice the first part of verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The writer of Hebrews is looking at the life of Jesus Christ and is saying to those who would read this letter written to them that you know about the prophets. You know that God revealed himself through them. God spoke to his people through them, but it has reached a crescendo now because his son has come. He has spoken to us through his son. The incarnation, the life, and the ministry of Jesus Christ is the very word of God on display for us to see and to hear. We looked at that in John chapter 1, the very first week in this series, as we talked about the glory of God on display, that in Jesus we see the glory of God on display. And here the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that Jesus Christ, the word has come. Now, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to the fact that Jesus Christ has come? In one word, celebrate. We celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has come. My favorite movie when it comes to the Christmas season, in fact, the only movie I really care anything about watching this time of year, I watch them all, but Elf. (laughs) Favorite movie to watch this time of year, it's a lot of fun, our kids love it. But there's a scene in the movie where the manager of the department store is coming in and he gets everybody's attention and he says, at 10 o'clock tomorrow, 
Santa is coming. And Buddy's right there. Somebody, somebody already jumped the gun on me. <laughs> Santa, I know him. He's excited. He is overjoyed. And for us, as we think about the fact that Jesus Christ has come, for us, it should bring excitement that he has come. It should bring joy in our lives as we think about the fact that Jesus Christ has come. And remember, he didn't come for any other reason than to lay his life down for us. The reason that Jesus came is that we were desperately in need of a Savior, and he stepped foot out of the portals of heaven and took on flesh to dwell among us, to take our sin upon himself on the cross and lay his life down for us. We should celebrate that he has come. You know, as you think about that, It reminds me of Luke chapter 24 when Jesus, after his resurrection, is walking along the Emmaus Road with two who were there in Jerusalem at the time that he was crucified and having heard possibly maybe he had risen. Jesus, not revealing himself to them, is walking along with them on the road. And he begins to unpack for them all that was in the Old Testament that pointed to who he was. And in that, Jesus reminds us that all of the Old Testament was a setup for him to come. It was pointing forward to the reality of him coming in the flesh. And the writer of Hebrews, who was privileged to have been around at the time when Jesus came, says, we used to read the prophets. And they were wonderful in outlining for us what God desired from us and who God was and what God expected of us. But we in these last days, we have heard from the Son. Church family, for us, we have the ability to look back and to read the account of Jesus' birth and his life and his ministry and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And for us, as we approach this time of year, we should celebrate the fact that Jesus came. Not only... Do we have the privilege of rejoicing in his appearance? But I want you to notice, secondly, we have the privilege of rehearsing his identity. Notice in the second part of verse 2, after saying that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son who has come, and I want you to notice the description beginning in verse 2 and walking through verse 4 of who The Son is. He says, He appointed Him the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Not only does the writer of Hebrews say we should rejoice at the fact that Jesus has come, but then he says we need to talk about who Jesus is. We need to talk about his identity. Identity matters when it comes to a discussion of who Jesus Christ is. Identity matters in our lives. When our firstborn came, we were in the hospital and dead middle of the night, she had been taken back with one of the nurses to the room where they keep the babies and try to give mothers a little bit of a break. And all of a sudden, the door opened to the hospital room and the nurse walked in and she handed my wife a baby. I say a baby because it was not our baby. (laughs) I'm dead asleep, it's 2 a.m. And all I hear is my wife say, Michael, wake up. Michael, wake up. And I look over, and it was the scene from The Lion King. She was holding the (laughs) baby out like this. I said, what's wrong? She said, they brought us the wrong baby. (laughs) New dad, dumb statement. How do you know? This is not our baby. That's what she said. So we pressed the call button, called down to the nurse's station. They said, how can we help? And we say, you brought us the wrong baby. (laughs) They were there in like three seconds with our baby, right? With Anna, here you go. But it's interesting that identity matters. And as we come to Jesus, his identity matters. And the writer of Hebrews is going to lay out for us who Jesus is. Notice he begins the fact that Jesus is the appointed heir of all things. Not only that, though, it's through him that the world was created. Not only does he inherit all things because of the Father, but he is the creator of all things as well. In verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is God in the flesh. And not only that, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Who is Jesus? That is who Jesus is. The very Son of God, God in the flesh, the creator, the sustainer, the heir of all things. That is who Jesus Christ is. But it doesn't stop there. I want you to notice that he continues and says, after making purification for sins which means he is also the savior of sinners. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
becoming more superior than the angels. That is who Jesus is. You know, the difficult thing as we come to the Christmas season is if we're not careful, we will leave in our minds, in our hearts, in the way we talk, in the way that we interact with other people, we will leave Jesus in the manger. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us he doesn't stay in the manger. He doesn't stay as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, that he grows up and he becomes the Savior of sinners. He lays his life down for you and for me. You may have come in this morning and for you, you wonder what Christmas is all about. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave Jesus as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. He is the Savior who can save you from your sin. If you will trust in him for salvation, your sins will be forgiven. You ask, how can he do that? He is God. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that after laying his life down, that he rose from the dead. That he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. His name is more excellent than any other name. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you talk about when it comes to the Christmas season? What is most on your lips when it comes to Christmas? Is it traditions? Nothing wrong with traditions. Is it food? Nothing wrong with food. Kids, is it what you want for Christmas? Parents, what do you talk to your kids about in this time of year? Because as we look at the writer of Hebrews, he reminds us of who Jesus Christ is. And may we not leave him in the manger, but may we proclaim to any and all who would listen who Jesus Christ is. Yes, he is God in the flesh. He is God with skin on. Yes, he came as we celebrate in this Christmas season as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, but he didn't stay there. He grew up, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he took your sin and my sin upon himself on the cross, and he laid his life down so that we could be forgiven of our sins, and he rose from the grave on the third day, securing salvation for us if we will trust in him. And I encourage you as we look at this Christmas season to rehearse the identity of who Jesus Christ is. To talk with people 
who at this time of year are willing to listen to what's going on as people celebrate the Christmas season. The writer of Hebrews says for us, we should rejoice in his appearance and we should rehearse his identity. But here's the third truth. As we think about who Jesus Christ is, we have the privilege of reveling in his superiority. I want you to notice that in verse 5, there's this comparison that's going to take place between Jesus and the angels. And evidently for the people who were reading this letter, there was something going on in this community where they elevated angels to a certain level, even that above and beyond Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is going to say to them, you have totally missed the boat because there is absolutely no comparison whatsoever. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's going to explain it in three different ways. One, in the relationship with the Father. Two, his relationship with the angels. Three, the relationship with eternity. Notice first and foremost, he says here, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And the answer is, not a single angel had that declared about him. And yet, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. His relationship to the Father makes him distinct and better than the angels. But he doesn't stop there. I want you to notice in verse 6, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. What's the relationship then with the angels and with Jesus? Well, the writer of Hebrews makes very plainly that Jesus is superior to the angels. And in fact, the angels worship him. As you look at what happened in Luke chapter 2 when the birth of Jesus Christ was announced, that's exactly what the angels did. They were worshiping Jesus as the Son of God. I want you to notice that he continues on. What about Jesus in relation to eternity? Well, he is God in the flesh. Notice beginning in verse 8 of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He continues in verse 10, you Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. Notice verse 11, they will perish, but you, speaking of Jesus, will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment that will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. 
I had the ability to play college baseball and played with some incredible baseball players, but there's something that if you played at a higher level of any type of sport, when you encounter someone who is a professional, it's a whole different ball game. So when I played, I had the privilege of playing with a guy who ended up playing for the Baltimore Orioles and then later for the Atlanta Braves, Nick Markakis. And we had the privilege of watching him play, watching him swing the bat, watching him pitch, watching him throw. And we all just stand around and go, yeah, we're not that good. He's a whole lot better than any of us. Played in the junior college all-star games right before he got drafted to go play with the Orioles. and Watching him take batting practice on Georgia Tech's field and hitting home run after home run after home run over the right field fence and hit the fraternity house that was across the street just constantly over and over and over again. You look around and... And everyone who's there is just standing with mouth open, watching, amazed. He finishes and everybody just claps. And for us, as we look at who Jesus is, there is no one or no thing that compares to him. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, not even the angels can compare to him. He is superior to all of them. So let me ask this question as you think about this Christmas season. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, how are you celebrating in this season the superiority of Jesus above everything else? You know, it's easy this time of year for the true meaning of Christmas to get crowded out by any number of other things. But for us as followers of Jesus, how do we, how do we remind ourselves personally and our family that Jesus is greater? Parents, can I just encourage you and ask you, Do your kids know that Jesus is greater than Santa Claus? Can I just ask that? Amen or ouch, right? Can I just ask that question of you? Or is the conversation around the table and the discussion going on this time of year focused solely on that? And we kind of sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top of it. Let me just ask you in your heart and in your mind in this season, is Jesus superior to everything else. You know, Christmas season is often a difficult season, especially if you're entering into this season having lost a loved one at this time of year, maybe even recently. And for you, you are walking into this season, and in your heart right now, the reality is you're not too excited about it. In fact, there is 
hurt. There is expectation that has been diminished as a result of the loss that you've experienced. And can I just bring you a word of encouragement this morning that Jesus is greater than that? Jesus is greater than that hurt. Jesus is greater than that pain. Jesus is greater than that loss. It doesn't mean that you don't think about it, you don't focus on it, but can I encourage you to fix your eyes on him because he is greater. As we enter into this Christmas season, a week from now, will be Christmas Day. And in case you've not planned ahead yet, it's on a Sunday. Just put that out there for you. And then press in a little bit further. We're still having church. Why? Because Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. I want to ask you if you would, to bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up, you may have come in today and you were invited by a friend or you happened to stumble in today and not sure what this season is all about. For you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know today that the only hope that you have to have your sins forgiven and to be brought into a right relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never taken that step, I would love to help you take that step this morning. One of our pastors would love to speak with you, share with you what it looks like to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know today, Jesus is greater. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your hurt. He's greater than your pain. Jesus is greater. You may already be a follower of Jesus this morning. and If you're honest, this season has crowded out for you the focus on who Jesus is and what he's done. Your mind, your affections have been attached to a number of other different things. This is an opportunity for you just to simply press pause and to remind yourself that Jesus is greater, that this is all about Him. Even in your hurt, even in your pain, that Jesus is greater. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. God, we thank You that we have the privilege of celebrating the fact that your son Jesus came, not only this time of year, but every day of the year in our lives. And we have the opportunity to rehearse, to remind others, to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done. 
and to fall on our knees before him and to declare that he is greater. So God, would you help us do that today? It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand? Our pastors are down front. We'll sing. You respond to the Lord this morning.